All right. What is up, everybody? We are back, episode 27, and I'm sitting with Wilson, the founder of Urban Leaf. And I will tell you, this is probably one of the hardest, longest hunting downs I've ever done. <laughs> it was a team effort, almost a year in the making, I think over a year in the making. But with that being said, I appreciate you making time and coming down. Of course. Sweet. We, uh, we did something Thanks new for, for us here, uh, here in the weeds is you suggested cocktails. We had a couple cocktails and I think we had half a podcast over on the couch there beforehand, Love it. which is great. Um, so we are primed and ready to go. Um, but yeah, thanks man. I know even just getting downloaded on everything going on right now, COVID pre COVID normal, unnormal, you're extremely busy, which we're going to get into. So thanks for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me. Cool. So as always, I told you the kind of how we traditionally start here is I wanted to get going because I know you, but I kind of don't know you. We, we, we have a lot of mutual friends. Um, you know, we kind of stay digitally in touch. Obviously, I've seen what you've done from a work standpoint, but personally, I don't know your upbringing, how you got into the space you're in. So I'm really excited because I learned in the process about someone. And I told you before, we're definitely adopting this success leaves clues mentality. So I'm curious to know, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, what, was, what was the early life for you? Sure. Um, so I was, uh, I was born in the Bay Area. Um, Grew up in Walnut Creek, uh, Martinez, California, cool. a little uh, a little east of uh, Oakland, East Bay. Um, was there for my early life. Uh, probably moved. I think it was eighth grade. We moved up to uh, to a little town called Yuba City, cool. just north of Sacramento, between Sac and Chico. Chico State was my second high school. Oh, nice. A lot of fun up there. Um, and uh, did high school in Yuba City. Go Honkers. Brown nice. and gold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, did high school there. Uh, about a week or two after I graduated high school, uh, I packed up the truck and to San Diego I came. No shit. Yeah. Why San Diego? Yeah, I applied to two schools. Mm-hmm. You know, Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo. My grades didn't get me in there. Mm-hmm. San Diego State was my spot. Really? <laughs> SDSU saving kids yeah, everywhere. Right. Saving them. I didn't know you were an Aztec. Yeah. yeah. So what did you go to school for? Uh, business. Um, didn't finish. Dropped out uh, midstream. I moved to, moved to Mexico. No shit. Yep. Where in Mexico? Cabo San Lucas. For? I uh, just saw an opportunity in the hospitality space. No way. And uh, yeah, worked on a deal um, with a restaurant group out of, uh, out of L.A., uh, it was called the Dolce Group. Mm-hmm. Um, this was as, when you were college age. I was 21. Oh wow! I moved to uh, to Cabo. Um, yeah, just uh, it, it was it was. I learned a lot very young trying to start a business in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Um, broke my teeth for sure. Uh, learned a lot of lessons. Um, and it, bad timing, like classic bad timing. I was there in the middle of the swine flu. No. If you remember when that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Holy shit. Yeah, it's just it's the worst. So we lost everything. So pandemics are your comfort zone. Oh yeah. Like, you're just swimming. <laughs> you're swimming through this like whatever. Yeah, it was it was crazy, a crazy time, but learned a lot, you know, had a blast. Um, there was an opportunity in Cabo that I saw, but I'd had no idea. I completely underestimated the difficulty of doing business in a foreign country. Oh yeah. And totally. I didn't speak Spanish at the time either. So I had to learn when I went. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah. I'm curious because I went to Arizona State. And to drop out mid Arizona State because that's some of the best years of my life. Yeah, it had to be a really good opportunity. It was it was exciting. Um, you know, wanted. I'll take you back a couple of years here. So you know, when I was uh, I was probably 18, uh, 19, living here in San Diego. I was I was working as a valet at the Ocean Air. Mm. Um, 
started doing insurance sales for my cousin. And my cousin had an office on the mile of cars down in National City, mm-hmm. selling auto insurance, right? Life insurance. Um, we, uh, one day she comes into the office and she's all pissed off. I'm like, what's, what's going on? She's like, what is this? She pulls out this jar of weed. I'm like, that's my weed. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, I'm like, all right, uh, it's just my weed. You know, it's no big deal. I got a medical card, all that. Um, this is back in the day. Yeah, right? yeah. This is like 2004, 2005. Yeah. And uh, she fired me on the spot. No. My cousin did. I was like, what the, f- like, what the hell? You know, am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, oh, what yeah. the f- well, let it fly. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, you're my family. I was, I was, I was kind of taken aback, you know, but that was kind of like an inflection point for me. I was like, all right, I need to go work for myself because mm-hmm. I'm never going to stop smoking weed. Mm-hmm. You know, so totally. that, that kind of pushed me out. Um, and uh, I always knew I kind of wanted to start my own business and, and, and you know, be an entrepreneur. Um, but that was, that was kind of the impetus for me to just commit. And about a month and a half later, I moved to Mexico. No way. So was the, the Mexico opportunity was in hospitality or was it in cannabis? Uh, it was in hospitality. Yeah. So we were doing, uh, we were going to do like a branded restaurant concept um, for uh, Grupo Cuestro down there. Was, they're one of the bigger hotel operators. Mm. Um, Long time Cabo, Mexico City family. Um, they own the Mi Cabo and mm-hmm. Casa Dorada and all that. Um, so the the iterations of the concept kind of changed a few times over the years. We ended up, you know, working out a deal at Casa Dorada um, to uh, establish Dolce Enoteca. We were going to do Dolce there. Mm. Uh, we were going to do uh, a catch-up concept. It was up on Sunset. It was a big mm. hit when it when it launched up in L.A. Um, these guys that had laid due in, in mm. Hollywood back okay. in the day, right? Yeah. Um, and the hotel wanted us to do the full F and B. We're like, that's that's probably let's walk before we run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a lot. That's big. Uh, but their F and B sales were ten percent of what they were next door at Mikabo. Mm. You know, so they they kind of pigeonholed their concept a little bit and you know focus on the wrong niche. Totally, yeah. Um, Mikaba was crushing. So uh, they wanted us to, you know, there was a lot of star power behind the group that we were partners with. You know, they're in all the you know reality shows when reality shows were first starting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, swine flu, man. That's crazy. Crazy. And you learn Spanish being over there. Kind of. <laughs> that's, that's wild. So was it something that they, you were recruited by them? Like they saw talent in you and they wanted to bring no, you? No, actually, no, I, I actually, uh, I was down there. I started a marketing company um, with a few people and I searched them out and I'm the 21 year old kid, right? Yeah. So they're not going to partner with my ass. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I talked one of our, our team members to selling them on the deal. I put this whole pitch deck together mm. and, uh, and it worked. They were on a plane in a week. Huge. <laughs> it was pretty cool. That is so random yeah. question. Did you ever go back and finish uh, your degree? No, I did not. Interesting. I did not. So did you come? Because I mean, shoot, man, twenty-one doing that—that's such an early age to even, especially when we were like, twenty-one. I, I assume you're a similar age to me. It wasn't as cool running a business or owning a business, especially when you're in college. You're being groomed to go work right. for a business. Yeah. So early on. So did you before going into college? Did you grow up around? business owners, entrepreneurs, or your family? Like, how did you get that DNA in your system? Um, you know, my mom is, uh, she's from Bethlehem. She's from uh, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So I'm half Palestinian. Um, my uncle was uh, in Martinez. He owned a liquor store and he owned a pizza shop. Mm. So I kind of like really young, I grew up around him mm-hmm. a bit. Um, 
they never got along, my mom and him. They were brother and sister, but uh, learned you know some things. It must have rubbed off when I was a little kid. Um, Did you? You said you you worked for them. Didn't work for him, but I kind of, you know, yeah, I was watched. like six, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Just was, a little too early. Yeah, a little too early, you know. But I, I was in there, right? And I was, I was, I was watching what was happening. And it was, it was cool. It was exciting. I love pizza, so it made sense. Did you know? Because we've had guys come on here, and I, and I actually did too. Like when when we were young, like like six or slightly older. You know, it was the lemonade stands, the Kool-Aid sure. stands. Were you doing stuff like that? Like, you know, you hear the other entrepreneurs 100%. who were like selling base car, baseball cards and doing that. Were you doing stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we had Pogs, right? Remember Pogs, Pogs. back in the day? Damn. Uh, you know? Do you still have any? Hell no. But uh, <laughs> I bet those are, those go for they, so much They got to be, right? Like we had all the things. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, comic book cards, sports memorabilia, uh, I was going to the flea market. I'd rent little space, have my mom drop me off. Mm. And I'd just be out there hustling. You know, I was selling uh, sports uh, sports cards to uh, to my classmates in elementary school. Um, I did all of those things. So like, we, a, a born hustler, I feel like, for sure. <laughs> academically, were you like uh, A's and B's or were? Uh, it's funny, actually. You know, I was, I started smoking weed in fifth grade. Okay. So very, very young. It's pretty early. Yeah, very young. Nice. Um, my, mom was a, my mom was a single mom, right? Yeah, um, yeah. My parents got divorced uh, really early. Um, you know, I got really sick when I was a kid, and that kind of created a rift between them. Um, and, you know, I'm, like, I, I got meningitis, right? Mm. So I had, like, brain surgery, Holy which shit. was kind of crazy. Wasn't supposed to make it. Uh, made it. Came out the other side, like, okay. Wasn't supposed to be okay at all. And... Uh, you know, they, they split probably about a year and a half after that. And mom was on welfare, you know, just struggling, single mm -hmm. mother, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it, it, was, it was rough growing up, man. What did, it what was did, rough. What did the sickness, I mean, how did that divide divide them? Well, just like- Because it's a lot of, it's high maintenance now, like the taking care of or? No, it's just it's just the stress of all of it, I think, yeah, you know? Yeah. It just, they, they just weren't meant to be in the first place, I no, feel like. totally. Well, this just kind of pushed them over the edge. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy time, but uh, my mom was always there. She'd work her ass off to support me, um, you know, and always kept me in sports, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, probably, Shit, probably seventh grade, I was just running amok. I was at the Boys and Girls Club a lot, mm -hmm. right? And like no supervision other than like mm -hmm. the other kids that I was hanging out with. So we started really getting into some trouble. Started yeah. not going to school at all. Mm -hmm. uh, seventh grade, pretty much didn't go to school at all. Jesus. You know, straight F's, straight F's in seventh grade. Got kicked out of school, went to continuation school. And uh, eighth grade rolls around. First half of the year, I'm at this continuation school. And it, it's, it's very interesting. You're in this, you're in this uh, session, it's like 10 to 12 every day, and that's it, that's your school day. Mm -hmm. And you have these packets, and I'm like, I did the whole year of school in like a month? I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? It's like, oh, they told me to come here, what do you, <laughs> like, what do you yeah, want me to yeah. do, right? So they're like, all right, you're going back after this quarter. So they sent me back to regular school, um, as uh, back in Martinez, and about a month later, my mom and my, she had just got remarried, uh, probably six months before that, to my stepdad, um, and they had uh, they decided to move me out of Martinez because the the crew mm -hmm. that I was running with, mm -hmm. it's the best decision they ever made. Yeah, yeah, for probably sure. wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't be around by now. No, until, and you were how old then? Uh, that was eighth grade. I'm 35 now. Okay, some yeah, we're same age. So I'm curious, 
is because talking to you before and even in now, like you, you're extremely educated in the business you've built and well articulated, but you know, high school sounded like it was a rough patch. College obviously you left for an opportunity. Where would you say you got the most education? Like where'd you learn the most that you applied to your business now or just in general? Because you know, you can just tell by how, how someone walk, talks and acts and, and obviously what you built. Um, and, I, and I have a, a separate opinion on you know, university degrees and that whole curriculum. I do as well. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> I'm curious where, where if you could like reconnect the dots on where you think you got the most education. Were you like a bookworm reading a lot of books? Were you like self-taught? Where'd you get it from? It just it, trial and error is like mm -hmm. the best way to explain it. Um, I did read a lot, not so many books, but just material in general, like magazines and, mm -hmm. you know, articles and you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, we're in the digital age totally, you know, ever yeah. since we were in high school, really. Right. The Internet was uh, doing its thing. Um, so we had so much data at, at our fingertips and, and I just, uh, I was super interested in, in running my own business. Um, and, uh, I just kind of soaked it up and I made a shit ton of mistakes and learned from them mm -hmm. and made more mistakes and learned from some of those and didn't learn from others, but You're probably still going to make more mistakes. Definitely going to make more, you know, but, uh, you know, we always try to surround myself with good people that, you know, I could get some advice from, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, that's definitely helped. You even did years. that young too. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. do that. I try my best. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Totally. It, it, yeah. It's hard. I mean, shoot, man, especially I'm sure in your space too. And, and also good people, but also well-educated people, people who I, I, I thrive off learning from people. And I, I tell people like for selfish reason, that's part of the reason starting this podcast, wherever it goes is, you know, sitting with the people who come on here in the hour, hour and a half we're here, I learned so much. And, I, and I've and i said this before on, on camera, it's like, it's like reading your book from, from start to finish. Sure. And, and I get so much downloaded from just this. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. It's awesome. But I'm also curious. So you, the, the Cabo San Lucas project, you came, you stepped away from, came back to San Diego or you go back home, home? Came back to San Diego. San, San Diego was home at this point. So then what was the move? What was the move then? Uh, you know, so through high school, through college, I was always in and around weed, mm -hmm. you know, um, consumed it, sold it, knew that there was something there, mm -hmm. didn't know how big the industry would ever become, uh, was hopeful that it would be something that I could actually commit to, but it just wasn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I was always paying attention, you know, Martinez is very close to Oakland and San Francisco. Uh, so I always had my finger on the pulse of kind of the, the, the core group that, really pushed the activism around the cannabis industry. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and made good connections and networked with those guys and, and gals up there. And I saw the opportunity once we, uh, we packed up and, and came back to, to San Diego from Cabo. Obama was about to you know, mm. run for office and mm -hmm. writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. This is going to become a real thing that, you know, is going to create a shit ton of jobs and, you know, create a lot of tax revenue for local, state, federal municipalities. Totally, yeah. Right. And, and I was in, I yeah. love, I always loved it. And, you know, it's a dream to be able to do what, what we get to do every day. Um, it's, it's a, it's a huge pain at times, but we're blessed. Oh, I bet. You know, and I imagine I'm just <clears throat> guessing and you can correct me if I'm wrong that now there's a lot of people wanting to get into that space like every day. I'm sure that I'm sure that's the number one question that you get. So now going back when you, cause you obviously were 
extremely early to market and extremely early to see that that trend was coming. What was, I guess, day one of, even if it's not like, okay, I'm setting up shop, what was day one of I'm committed? This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a good story too. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was, I was selling to, uh, different, I was brokering, we call it brokering in the industry, mm. uh, buy low, sell high, right? Um, we were, uh, I was working with a bunch of stores up in the Bay area and, and I went and, uh, I, I went and talked to a few people in Oakland at, at, uh, at Oaksterdam is a little university they set up as kind of a, almost like a trade college mm -hmm. for this industry. And I went there to meet a few key people, um, in the space. And I was hoping to find an investor also, cause I was broke college kid. Yeah, I yeah. just lost a shit ton of money in Mexico, you know, came back. I was like, I want to go back to doing what I love. Mm -hmm. Um, and this guy actually, uh, lived around the, the corner from the house I went, uh, I lived in when I was going to high school in Yuba city. He was in my class. I was like, yeah, this is weird. So this is meant <laughs> to be. So we ended up, uh, committing to doing a deal together. I was going to run the shop. He would fund it. And, you know, I put a business plan together and I, I, I outlined all the different, all the different, uh, cities that, that f financially made sense to operate in. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and they're the big metro cities, right? You yeah. Know, Sacramento, San Francisco, Oakland, et cetera. Um, but the first one I went to was, was in Chico. Mm. And San Diego is at the southern end. I lived here, obviously, but, you know, it was extremely conservative. And yeah. the biggest risk uh, in the industry was operating in San Diego at the time. <clears throat> and you this know, was what year? This was, shit, this would have been 2007. Okay. 2006, mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, you were hearing about raids all the time. You know, you sure. have a medical shop here, medical shop there. All of a sudden they all got raided. Everybody went to jail. It was crazy, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, with weed, you kind of always, as long as you weren't too big, it was always going to be a, the first offense. It's going to be a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a calculated risk. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, pick Chico mm. as my first kind of stop on the tour of California, trying to figure out where we're going to land and where we're going to open up shop. And I, I set up a meeting with the sheriff and the DA. DA's name is Mike Ramsey, still the DA today. How did you get a meeting with the sheriff and the DA? You just ask. <laughs> I'm gonna open a weed shop in your place. Like, you probably wanna meet with me. That's great. <laughs> I'm gonna ask permission. Easy answer. You know, I, I, asked, I asked permission <laughs> totally, yeah. instead of, uh, you know, asking for forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Mistake, should have done it the other way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, that's, he, he literally sat me down and he, he's like, I, I saw your 75 page plan. Didn't read a page of it. Um, if you open in my city, I'm going to put you in jail and own every asset you and your family have ever owned. I'm like what? The Sheriff fuck? said this to you. No, this is Mike Ramsey, the DA. I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to open in Chico, you know, I'm keep on moving. Oh, um, man. so, you know, had, had some locations kind of, uh, picked out throughout, uh, you know, just Sacramento moving on the way down, uh, to San Diego and nothing made sense, uh, based on the conversations I had until I made it to San Diego and I found a location. Uh, with a, a landlord that was willing to rent to me. Um, and it was a calculated risk that they took that I took and, and we opened up shop. That was my first store that I actually opened, uh, in San Diego. Mm. Uh, and this was like, Oh eight. What part of town was that? Uh, it was in, uh, I guess mission Hills. 
Oh wow, and that's yeah. 07? Yeah, 07, 08. So were you ever rated or ever deal with that? Luckily, no. I never got rated. Never went to jail for this. Um, always, uh, you know, dodging and weaving. And well, gonna, <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say, what's what's because there are so many people that that happens to. What was the difference? What was the difference with you know? We we always tried to run. Like, I, I I really studied the laws, mm-hmm. like extremely, like in depth and. When, when we opened up, like we, we operated to the T of like what was considered allowed, mm-hmm. right? Um, under there, there was a and there wasn't even like a real regulatory regime. There was Prop Two Fifteen. There was SB Four Twenty, and then there was like the Cole Memo. Mm. The Cole Memo was you know from the Attorney General of the U.S. Mm. Like he issued this kind of recommendation on how it can be acceptable, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, as State Attorney General in California, um, and. Yeah, we just, we really, you know, operated very diligently in that respect. And, you know, nobody could come in unless they had the right paperwork. They had to sign the right paperwork. Uh, We were pretty buttoned up on that front at a time where a lot of others were just kind of like operators was the Wild West. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped, you know. Um, But, you know, probably 2011, the DEA started running around again and they've sure. done this before you know they uh they started running around to different stores and you know making threats to the landlords about seizing their property because if a landlord rents to a legal dispensary mm-hmm. they can actually they have the right to seize that property and that's a scary thing for a mm-hmm. property owner right yeah um so you know that was uh, that was not a fun time um i i have a hypothesis that it all that whole kind of trigger effect that kind of resonated throughout California started here in San Diego. You know, we ran a, we ran a campaign in, uh, in the city here after an ordinance was passed in 2010. Um, you know, we were, we were very involved politically in the space here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started a trade organization cause we all, there was about 200 stores in town and there was this, you know, cannabis task force that was created by city council and they weighed in on some recommendations uh, with a planning commission and what was uh, eventually passed by city council was very different from our perspective uh, from what was actually recommended by the task force. Mm-hmm. And it essentially put us all out of business overnight. So that was unacceptable to us, yeah, yeah. right? So I started a trade group, um, we call it the PCA, Patient Care Association of California. <laughs> a super tacky name, right? Um, but, you know, we, we uh, I sent it, I had a database that I was already kind of farming of all the, the operators in town off of weed maps. And I, as soon as that ordinance got passed, I got a knock at my, uh, at my door after the city council hearing because I was down there that night. I had some of my staff down there. We're all speaking, you know, to council, telling them, you know, don't pass this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the guy who was knocking on my door, he was my neighbor. He was my competitor. I didn't know him. Uh, a guy named Corey and his partner named Fred. Uh, successful venture capital guys that got into the space. Uh, and this is a long time ago for those yeah, guys yeah. getting the space. Yeah. They had a vision, right? And they're still in the, at least what Corey's in the business in DC. Um, really good people. Uh, and they're like, what are we going to do? Cause you sound like you have your shit together. I was like, dude, I don't have my shit together. I'm trying to figure this out, but I have kind of a plan yeah. and I have this database of everybody. So I sent out an email blast to all the other store owners. Um, and it was just their like standard weed maps listed email, right? So hopefully it made it to them. Some did, some didn't. But about 60 different owners showed up the following week oh, wow. for a meeting. 
so that was the first meeting of the PCA and the the whole plan was let's let's pool our resources let's start a political action committee let's run a referendum campaign to overturn this law uh, it was the first time it ever happened in California uh, anywhere in the country actually I think um, and we were successful. We collected the signatures to raise the money. Wow. And it was at a time where the city couldn't justify uh, spending the, the money on a special election. You know, mm -hmm. they need, they're, they're a little budget strapped mm -hmm. and it just didn't make sense for them. So when, once they did, they, so they actually repealed that ordinance. And as soon as that happened, uh, about six months later, the city attorney starts talking with the U.S. attorney. Mm. And then the DEA starts coming around in San Diego and, and all these threats are happening and everybody's freaking out Yeah, and it's mass pandemonium. It was crazy. It, it was a scary time. You know, we, we, uh, you know, you always, uh, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of so many people that actually went to jail, Sure, you know, yeah. over this, uh, over this plant. And, you know, it, it's thanks to them that we're able to do this. Right. And, you know, people that get into the space now, they just, they don't necessarily understand that. Mm -hmm. I understand it cause I've been doing this for long enough. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of have to have a level of respect for that. But when, when all that happened, it, it, like, people were just shutting, getting shut down in mass, right? Mm -hmm. And there was raids happening. That, and then there started these, these civil lawsuits from the city on zoning violations. Um, and this, this went on. And you know, our shop in Hillcrest was called the Holistic Cafe. It was actually the, one of the last stores open in, in San Diego um, when all the shutdowns happened. And uh, there was a, there's actually a crazy story that is the reason I actually closed my doors. Otherwise, I might not have closed my doors and I probably would have got raided. I, I, had a, um, I had a DEA agent's son who was a, uh, a customer of ours. Uh, he had autism. Mm -hmm. And the DEA agent came into the store, identified himself as a DEA agent, said that he's not there to bust us. We were all freaked out, right? We're like, what, DEA? No, absolutely not. <laughs> he's like, just come out and talk to me real quick. So, you know, send the manager out. He goes talk to him. And the, uh, it seemed legit, right? The kid, the kid had autism. He, he, we're the only store left open. He needed cannabis. Yeah. And we're like, listen, if this is legit, absolutely we'll help you. Mm -hmm. You know, so we made sure that his kid, every time he came in, he was taken care of. One day, the kid brings in a note, says, close tomorrow. So we closed tomorrow. His kid did. Yeah. And two days later, they attempted to raid my spot, and we were already closed. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fun. It gives me chills even thinking about it right now. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah it was nuts. And that was, that was, that was recent with everything. It's 2012. Holy 2012, shit, 2012, yeah. All right, well... <laughs> it's like some shit out of a movie it was like what the hell yeah i mean hearing that and i definitely want to get back to the dea part but a bigger question i had is i feel like there's so much that goes into running a business and you have a big business even back then too growing but it seems like a lot of what you do is playing a lot of politics and you have to you have to be you have to be still now and probably always have to be very informed on policy changes politics who i mean we were talking there about it's election year and yeah. what's coming up and also too you have to have your eyes dotted and t's crossed every time that you talk to anybody who's anybody absolutely um so i'm, I'm curious because that's 
man, the juggling act of just running a business, especially now you're, you're at 400 employees and everything that's growing and scaling, but you're still, we're, we're just talking about, you know, you're talking about this election year and what's going on and the, the, the good, the bad that can go in either way is, do you feel like there's a party of, man, I'm, I'm a part politician. I no, thank God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it is a little crazy. I never thought that I'd be interfacing with politicians the way that I do. Um, but we have really good public affairs people that we work with. Um, but you kind of, you do have to kind of play the part a little mm -hmm. bit and you need to be able to, uh, speak to the change that you're looking for the right mm -hmm. way. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't consider it playing the politician. I just, I call it government affairs, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a big, big part of the business and it's, it's a huge reason why, uh, we have been successful. Totally. So I have to make a comparison of who you, I never met him. I wish I'd love to meet him. So I'm a huge UFC fan, combat sports fan, but hearing the story, um, uh, and I've heard, I don't know if you know, Dana White, president of UFC mm -hmm. and his story, it's a very similar progression is combat sports and MMA and the UFC brand when they bought it was just, it was outlawed by everyone. He couldn't get meetings with broadcasting channels, couldn't get meetings, like people wouldn't pick up the phone. Now clearly he's global, sure. he's on ESPN, it's a household name. Yeah. It's a very similar progression. And he's also like, he's an extremely, extremely intelligent guy. And he's actually, I, I don't know what it is this week, but he's speaking at some sort of a Trump rally or something. Okay. He, he's very, uh, him and Trump have, have a great relationship, even though he goes on the record saying, I'm not a politician and I don't support everything he does. However, he's always taking care of us. So I'm gonna go speak and just um, be there. But it reminds me very similar of your story. And is that like, is there some sort of, uh, not a chip on your shoulder, but there was a time you've lived through the times where this was extremely like taboo is not even the word. This was like, dude, you, you, your, your own family fired you. You know, this yeah. was like, you're getting locked up for- My mom for talked shit that, for, for ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, 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 just, I'm just curious, cause you, you, you definitely, and I don't, I don't sense this in you. You don't have the like, told you motherfuckers, like I told you so. No. Cause you don't want that. It, it's more like a victory lap is, is what you're doing. But is there a part that like, man, you got, you got beat up. Cause you go back to 07. That was a time that your people were doing hard time, like getting locked up. We were waiting for, to get our door kicked in. Yeah. You know what I mean? like that right day. now, it's crazy. And, and you said it and we've joked about it in here. Like it's, it's now an essential business during a global pandemic. Right. You know, is it, what, what's, I guess the, the grappling with the emotion there. It's obviously a huge win for you, but it, there's gotta be some sort of like what you've gone through that I don't think a podcast or anybody could ever fully like paint the picture of what you've gone through from the starting to, and you're not even at the finish line. Like, how does that look? I like, for, from my perspective, I don't think we're even close to the finish line. Yeah, right? yeah. And like, I don't, I, it uh, optically, it looks like we're doing great. Mm -hmm. This industry is such a roller coaster. Mm. We have such a long way to go. We have so much policy we need to change. You know, our, our effective tax rate is through the roof. We can't write off normal business expenses. We can't get SBA relief. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this whole, you know, pandemic situation has been a roller coaster. You know, things are going well now. They weren't at one point. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of restructuring that happened across the industry. It's, uh, it's been very stressful. Um, and we've had to make some really tough decisions and, you know, we had to do some layoffs with some people that we care deeply about, you know, mm -hmm. it's really tough and really sad. Um, but the company has to survive, right? Totally. Um, so we're, we're by no means out of the woods. We have a long way to go, but we're having a blast. 
Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. Do you think the industry, same thing for the industry, your company, but the industry, how far are the woods? It's getting there, but how far are the woods is the, is the cannabis industry? I think, you know, it, there's a few ways this thing could go, right? It, depending on who wins in November, um, if Kamala Harris becomes the VP, she's the big sponsor on the MORE Act. Mm. The MORE Act is um, probably the the most viable solution with a few amendments that we have in front of us right now that really makes sense from a policy perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'd like to see interstate commerce eventually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have a 5% federal excise tax. That's better than our current effective tax rate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a descheduling bill. Um, so we're not, you know, 280E, which is this crazy, you know, old school uh, tax code that yeah, is yeah. applied to us and doesn't allow us to take normal deductions. Um, you know, we're, we're taxed north of 50% effective, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it it's makes wild. it very, very difficult to run a business. We don't get bank accounts. You know, only a few companies get bank accounts. You really have to be buttoned up and have your shit together. Uh, we're, we're lucky enough to have bank accounts, but I mean, even still, some of our accounts are at major institutions. They get shut down. Mm -hmm. We have to move. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. a headache. I feel like every six months I'm having to move banks. So what does a company do that doesn't get the bank account? They operate in cash. They have a big vault. And no they just shit. keep it as crazy. Did yeah. you have to go through, ever go through that time period? Uh, before we had licensed stores, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So I feel like I know the answer. And the answer would be weed. But <laughs> you deal with a lot of headaches. And being a business owner, there's a lot of headaches. But nobody has the amount of headaches, like I said before, outside the court, you know? Like what's going on inside the court? You manage the players and everything going on there in the movement. But there's so much outside yeah. to wrap your head around and and I think the answer is we, but is how do you how do you balance that from just a stress, from a headache, from like an overall? Because it, it could very easily take over your life. And I know you, you're married, so you have a also you have a family and wife at home. You know, like how does how does that balance? And it, I mean, it could just be weed. That's, that's the answer. I don't know. It could be <laughs> it tequila and weed. I don't hurt. know. So I, I guess have you, have you found the sweet spot? Or are you still trying to find the sweet spot on how to to balance that? You know, it's it's funny you ask that, Peter. I've I've. Uh, I've struggled with balance my whole life, I feel like, mm. and I still haven't found it. Um, I try, and it just seems to somehow escape me. Just, just, just yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I see it. I'm grabbing for it, but it's gone before I can get there. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I, I think it, I feel like our, you know, our passion for what we do can kind of consume us sometimes, and you forget about the other things that are really important in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've tried to remind myself and kind of ground myself in, in, uh, in that home life and, you know, the, the whole pandemic thing is, is kind of helped yeah, me do that a bit, but, uh, it's still a struggle. It really mm -hmm. is. Um, I, I hope that I can get there. I'm definitely not there. It's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. So tell me about, cause, cause I know COVID and the pandemic has played an interesting role on you, especially from the beginning, the middle and to, to now where we're at, but you open a new store. So tell me about the, the opening a new store during a pandemic. That was a tough decision. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's gotta like, be. When, uh, when all the lockdowns happened, when we, you know, we were looking at, you know, um, massive losses, sales were dipping. Uh, we, we got really nervous. We had to make sure that the company could survive. You know, we had to make some some cuts to costs and, and uh, construction. We had multiple projects under construction at the time. Mm. We put a pause on everything just to figure out what was going to happen and kind of strategically move forward. Um, we got to a point probably, you know, I guess early May that it made sense for us to move forward because we were so close on finishing that store. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we missed a whole bunch of timelines, unfortunately. 
uh, with the delays that were uh, around the pandemic, you know, city permit processing, construction delays, et cetera. Sure. And, uh, you know, we opened, uh, we opened for a month on a soft opening. Uh, grand opening went well, you know, it was uh, a socially distance uh, event mm-hmm. and uh, we had a line down the block uh, at 7 a.m. That's epic. It was great. I'm looking at Savannah in the back there, our marketing director. Thank you, Sav. Play great a job. Role. Yeah, absolutely. So do you do you feel like there's an obligation, and I'm going to use the Dana White UFC reference again, is I, I think where they turned the corner is they started educating people more on the sport. They educated them on the people in the sport because before it seemed like just these brutal guys who were fighting um, bare knuckle, no rules, all that. And they started educating them like, no, this guy studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu and grew up in this and that. I feel like there's a similar progression educating, like some sort of obligation to educate people on cannabis. Because from where it was, I'm sure when you first started smoking, it was like the most forbidden thing ever. And it was only bad for you, only bad. And, and we as like Americans, we follow the narrative. Is there an obligation now is almost like as the brand to be an educator too? Because the more people become educated, um, the more at ease they are with it, whether it's, you know, whatever the federal policy is saying, but just at ease in general being around it. And it's really funny before I leave that question in your hands is my mom just got hip surgery uh, last year and her doctor, which I was through the roof excited about, he only, his only prescription or prescribed uh, pain medicine was, was edible um, cannabis. Amazing. And uh, what she told me that before she was, he was highly recommended and he, uh, he started her off and he had a, a long wait list. So she got like segued into it before she actually had the surgery. And she mm-hmm. was in the most pain before the surgery. And I, I drove out there for the surgery and I said, Hey mom, I'll actually have some of the, some of your medication with you. We'll fight this <laughs> battle together. But this was also a mother who, you know, when I was in high school, I, I got fucking ripped apart when they, when she found a pipe in the room sure. and like, oh, yeah. you know, so the progression, oh, yeah. but becoming more educated and now I'm actually having a doctor and hearing it and seeing it. She has her license out in Arizona. You know, there's almost an obligation just to continue educating people on how good it is versus what it was written as before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, education is super important to us. You know, I, there's nothing that makes me more happy than a first timer that mm. comes into our stores. Cause we get to give them their first experience at a dispensary. That's special. Yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of framing what their expectation is moving forward uh, with their interactions with the plant. Um, and uh, like we all, everybody at our company, we just love that. Yeah, you know, because we can we can set the right tone. We can actually educate them on, you know, the different modalities of use and you know how you can, you know, apply this to your daily life. It's 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 really special. Um, it, it's it is our responsibility to do that, and it's it's really important to all of us um, that you know we do execute well on the education totally. piece. So so what is uh, if you could describe in like a nutshell what's the experience at experience like from a customer standpoint coming into one of your stores or what are you guys like what's your mission statement when someone comes in whether they're first time or a regular i mean our mission statement is basically you know we're 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 setting the new standard Mm. and shattering stereotypes for the cannabis industry oh that's cool that's really it right um there's a big focus on education um and appreciation for all of our customers we want every single person that walks into our store to be treated the same and to be appreciated and we want their dollar to, to have value to them mm. when they come to our location versus a, a competitor. Right. Mm. So, yeah. you know, we, we treat our menu like it's our own cabinet at the house. 
That's cool. You know, and if we wouldn't smoke it, we would never ask anybody else to smoke it. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? And we're, we're consumers. Yeah, yeah, We've been smoking for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really curious now that it's scaled to the level it's at, and you told us 400 employees, how, what would you shape up as your, you probably can't put a title on your role, which is, which is a good thing, but what, would, what is your day-to-day, your title? What role do you play now in such a fucking massive company? It's, it's inter- I'd probably call it fireman. Yeah, it's a, a good way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably the better janitor, I guess. No, yeah, um, all the above. No, I mean, you know, I, I was the I was the founding CEO uh, of the company uh, last year. We went through uh, the first time we ever raised any capital, um, and we brought in a new CEO to mm. kind of take us to the next level. Um, and we like twenty nineteen was a build year, right? Mm-hmm. We we added a bunch of key team members leveled up the organization, built out a finance team. You don't normally build out the finance team after you raise the money. You normally do it before. Yeah, yeah. We were running before we were You're walking, apparently. Doing your own <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of growing pains there, but it, it's uh, it's been great, you know, and uh, everybody's really come together well. Um, and, you know, we have to pivot where we pivot, but it's, uh, I, I'm just, I'm so lucky to be able to be, able to do what I do and mm-hmm. have the great partners that we have in the business. It's amazing. Um, I love going to work every day. That's rad. Like it's, yeah, totally. it's awesome. Man. So with 2019 being labeled a, a build year, what do you, as we're like three quarters away through 2020, what are we labeling 2020? It's as? a delayed year, I guess. A, a delayed <laughs> year. And has, has there been any, uh, has there been any, I, I, a lot of companies are pivoting, obviously digital is becoming more of a thing, new platforms like we were talking about, yep. Twitch and other, is there any sort of like morphing that your brand is doing from this or is it kind of keeping the steady? Pace? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we've, we're, we're a brick and mortar retailer first, right? We also, we deliver, um, if you order Ease in San Diego from Ease, you're ordering mm-hmm. from Urban Leaf. Um, you know, so we have a we have a good footprint here. But when when the lockdowns happened, we had to we had to pivot basically overnight to to make our staff comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Because people were health from a health standpoint. from a ha- health yeah, perspective yeah. exactly like they didn't know what all of this meant just yet. And none of us did, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're all kind of learning in real time. Yeah, what's going on? How dangerous is this, right? Um, so we made the decision and we listened to our team and they weren't comfortable having customers come into the store. So we shut the store down mm. and we went to a curbside pickup only model. We had to place an order online. We basically had 48 hours to turn on our e-commerce mm-hmm. platform and, and hit the ground running. And we, we did it. We pulled it off. It was, uh, it was hectic and crazy. And, and, uh, there were some bumps along the way, but we got there totally. and we were able to, to, to save the business. Yeah. 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 What, what was the process of, because you kind of described it, of getting to, I know you were waiting to find out whether you're an essential business or not. What was the process of, I guess, the waiting game or had it gone the other way? I guess, what what would today look like now? There would be no Urban Leaf today. Really? 100%. There would be no, there would be, I'd say 90% of the retail businesses in cannabis would likely be out of business. Maybe more. Jesus. Yeah. What, what was the, what or who was the push to get it as an essential business. How did that get through? I got to, I got to credit, uh, Nathan Fletcher, mm. you know, uh, in the County here, he's, uh, he's been a, a huge supporter of the industry. Uh, we appreciate all of his efforts. You know, he just tried to, uh, get some reform done in the unincorporated County. Uh, he's on the county board of supervisors. Uh, and then the governor's office, um, 
you know, there's a, a few key individuals that work with uh, the governor of California that have been very supportive of the industry and, and they actually listen to the stakeholders. Mm. They don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. For sure. Um, so that's always refreshing when that's actually happening. And there was just, there was a great dialogue throughout the, the, the whole state. And uh, it was a little bit scary. It was a lot scary. Um, yeah, we've worked essentially, I feel like I've worked my whole life to get to mm-hmm. this point, right? And it can all just be taken away. And like, I, I, f- I feel so bad for all of the small businesses that like that actually happened to. Mm-hmm. Like I, f- I have so many friends that are in the exact same boat. And I'd like, what do you do? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It's so sad, man. And yeah. You know, the relief bills and, you know, we, we can't touch the relief bills. So it's like mm-hmm. whatever money you have in the bank, that's the only thing you have to survive. Yeah. You no know, SBA support, no PPE money. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's bank fraud for us to even apply. That's insane. It's crazy. Why, Makes is, it, no sense. why is it called bank fraud for you to, to apply? Because you, you have, there's certain disclosures that you have to make and mm. affidavits that you're signing in those applications. And you're actually like attesting that all of your activity is federally legal. So we'd oh have to attest god. to that to actually be able to apply. And that's fraud. Oh my god! It's crazy. You are you are right though. It's it's a uh, man. When when it first happened in March, it felt like it was targeted at a certain industry because you started seeing closures, but a lot of people were open. And this festival announced they weren't doing it. This business said they were closing down hotels. Then it's been like a weird therapeutic like resource when you call your buddies who own businesses, and everybody's kind of fucking. I don't know if drowning's the right word, but we're we're. We're definitely in the deep end, yeah. but everybody's in it together. For sure. You know, and, and I think everybody anticipated that we'd be closer to the shallow end right now, but we're all like pretty much keeping the same pace, you know? So it, it's, it's been helpful. And I don't know, like for you right now, we're, we're trying to think of everything long-term. We're trying to avoid vulnerable parts of our company and vulnerable in- industries. But are you now looking, you know, 2021 is that kind of, more the rebound or are, are you guys even able to do next week, next month? Like how is your programming and planning with all the fucking crazy shit that's going on right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to keep pace as best we can. Um, you know, we do have a couple projects that we do expect to be opening by the end of the year. Mm. Um, we have a location in Vista nice. that, uh, we're really excited about great spot on the 78. Really cool. Girl, good freeway signage. Um, excited there, about that date? one. Date set? Uh, it'll be the end of the year, November, December. Cool. Yeah, we're, I'm actually doing a walkthrough of the GC on Friday, so that's nice. exciting. Um, and then we have another store in La Mesa that'll open either by the end of the year or, you know, first quarter of mm. 2021. Um, we bought a, a location in San Jose uh, in a receivership auction. We actually have the court hearing tomorrow for the judge to approve that transaction. Oh, so wow. if that works out. You going up there? Uh, I'm not. No, we have our okay. attorneys dealing with it. Nice. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, San Jose is a great market, very similar to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, love the area. You know, it's almost like I'm going home. Bay area, yeah, right? yeah so, for sure. Um, we have a store in Seaside, a Monterey Peninsula, right there. So it'll be it'll be good for for uh, us to add some more team members up there. Really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, we're trying to be as strategic as we can. You know, make sure that we're being responsible with the capex spend that we're mm-hmm. you know going forward on. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the outlier has been our, our location in San Isidro in the last 30 days. I mean, you know, the border has, the border activity has increased. Enforcement sure. in Chula Vista has increased on uh, unlicensed dispensaries. Mm-hmm. 
so the the volume is it's it's going crazy down there. Yeah, it's super yeah. surprising to us. Didn't think it was going to be this quick. We thought it was going to happen when Mexico legalized cannabis. Sure, yeah. And you know, sooner the better. I mean, it's, it's a great timing. That's <laughs> we could crazy. we could use it in this you know crazy world that we're in today. Yeah. Um, are but, are uh, you able to? Because the last guy sitting in your seat, he was a uh, a firm believer in having a three year plan. You know, personally and and for professionally for his work. Do you do that? Like, do you have a three, five, or even longer? Do you have a, a, a what's like big picture that you can share? You know, like, is there a big picture plan with Urban Leaf? Yeah, I mean, personally, I do. Mm-hmm. In the cannabis industry, you can't plan three years out. Yeah, I figured Three that. years is like 10 years in our industry. Mm-hmm. It's like dog years. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Everything changes constantly. That's funny. The only thing constant is change. Um, and uh, it, you're, you're forced to anticipate so many different scenarios and it's never the right one that you thought it was going to be. It's kind of close. And you're having to be a little bit reactionary. But we're, we're trying to stay ahead of it as, as best we can. It's challenging, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a year is normally <laughs> the plan right now, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if, the more, if we get some federal reform, you know, we get rid of 280Es, tax issue, and, you know, we see a, uh, a path to the public markets in the U.S., that's probably the move for us eventually, okay. you know? That makes sense. Yeah. So completely, That's maybe three years from now. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so completely other gear, work aside, and this might be hard, especially at the volume that you're doing with work. Personally, you know, what are your enjoyments just completely outside of Urban Leaf, outside those walls, if you're even able to tune it out? I know you said you got married. What is the personal day-to-day in the life? Like, what do you enjoy doing? What are, you, or what are your hobbies or activities? I uh, love the water. Try to get cool. on the water as much as I possibly can. Uh, Mexico is my second home. Love it. You know, had Cabo. a place, had Cabo, exactly. Nice. Yeah, we were just down there for the 4th of July. Um, I go there as much as I possibly can, and I just try to disconnect. You kind of have to do it. You know, we, it. We, uh, it, we, we don't turn it off uh, in our world right now, and uh, everything's just running so fast. Um, and if, if you're not growing you're shrinking right mm-hmm. now. So yeah, I'm sure, especially in your space, you know, it's a, uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit crazy on that front, but um, you kind of have to force yourself to disconnect and reset a little bit. And, you know, a few people on our team, they just, they work nonstop. And I, I keep telling them like, what are you doing? Like take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even our CEO, I'm like, you haven't taken a vacation in a year. Like just disconnect for like a week. The world how is do, not going to. How fall. do they receive that? Because that's got to be so crazy from the guy in charge telling them like, "Hey, I mean, you're not saying word for word work less, but in in a way, you're saying like take care of yourself, work less." It's it's just it comes from a good place, right? It's like it, it's the concern for their well being. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to do it. Everybody has to be able to disconnect sometime. Yeah, you can't work yourself into the grave. Mm-hmm. That's not going to benefit anybody. No, you're you right, know, especially yourself and your family, right? So. Um, you have to be able to disconnect. It's super important. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny that I say try to balance because I am the worst at balance. But uh, I, I just, I want, I want the best for everybody that's a member of our team. You know, I love every single person that works with us. Um, that's so, right. Do you have any non-negotiables? Like I've had the owner of Blender's Eyewear was on here and one of his non-negotiables is he surfs. You know, like I will always surf and surf pretty much every day. Do you have any of those where like, has nothing to do with business or even maybe like home life, but are there certain things that you like, this is my, I have to do? On a daily basis? Or routinely. I need to be able to get out of town and go to Mexico and just turn my phone off. Mm. Like that's my thing. What's the frequency, how often you go? I used to go every month. 
Mm. Um, I had a house down there, right? Sold the house a while, a while back, a few years ago. So now it's like, I don't know, every six months, you know, cool. and it's a little bit of extended trip, you mm-hmm. know, maybe five days, six days, you know, um, but it gives me enough kind of reset and refresh that mm-hmm. I can kind of take it for another six months. You travel anytime <laughs> soon with all this? With all uh, that what, we I think went, Mexico is open, right? We it is open. Every- yeah. We flew down on the 4th of July. The hotel's open the day before we got there. Um, everything's still kind of locked down though. Mm. You know, you're good at your hotel, but restaurants and everything, same, same type of deal. Totally. Beaches were a little bit closed. Um, but I, I love it there, man. Yeah, Cabo's tacos great. and tequila. It's my, just my shit. Cabo is great. I mean, you, you you hand uh, delivered tequila today, so go. we're happy about that. Had to, had to kill the nerves, Pete. Oh yeah, definitely. Hey, it, it, it worked. It's great. Um, so we always land the plane with a similar series of like a question, um, and I feel like your story is so unique. And I feel like there's also a lot of people watching, or maybe people who are just have been in your network, like I said, who are wanting to get in the space. And I'm sure you have no problem people applying to work for Urban Leaf, but you also have a lot of people probably coming to you saying, "I want to." I want to do what you're doing. I want to start what you're doing. If you could go back to 17 year, 18 year old, 19 year old you, or anybody out there who is early, early, early on in their career, you know, what would be the advice? And it might not be for the cannabis space, but they're chasing after that, that one thing. What's your advice after all of what you've been through and are going to continue learning for that person? Yeah. Um, you got to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm. You know, um, if you think that this is going to be a quick win and you're going to get rich quick, it's not going to happen. You're guaranteed to fail. Mm-hmm. You need to actually have a passion for this industry, this plant. It, it does special things. And we change lives, I feel like, every single day to be able to see people that come in that are going through chemo and, you know, they just had a stroke or whatever it is, right? Sure. And it, you see them over a few months, weeks, whatever it is, like actually come back to life in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. you know, cause they, they find their, their key bud tenor that they love to go interact with yeah, and cool. they build a relationship with that person. Right. And you know, they share some stories, you know, and, and they, they kind of create this bond and it's a special thing. Um, yeah, that's what this is all about. Yeah. Totally. That's how this all started. You know what I mean? Now that it's popularized and the direction it's going, do you have a lot of people coming in though that are the get rich, like people who are switching over to this industry or, or getting involved in this industry who are, strictly doing it for that purpose there is there's a lot of those guys um and the guys that have been in the industry a long time they kind of look and laugh a little bit mm-hmm. but uh, some will be successful some won't you know um this is a very special industry and there's so many nuances it's just you're you're battling challenges everywhere you turn yeah yeah it's not for the faint of heart like mm-hmm. it's just it really isn't um if if I could go back, I'd probably still do it again. But damn, would I do it eyes wide open? <laughs> Dude, that was, and I'm glad you said it because that was a question. I say, if you could go back, rewrite history, yeah. would you have stepped into this and, and done what you're doing? I love this shit, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> to say that in the middle of pandemic, I think that that's answer enough. Hundred percent. Oh, that's great, man. Absolutely. Well, hey. This was a pleasure. Glad we finally made it happen. You have fans, you have customers. I didn't even tell you, I told you I order, but my business partner who's not here, I, I think he's got every outlet on retainer of some sort and like delivery and, and he'll, he'll for sure watch this because he was curious. He's in Miami right now. That's awesome. But yeah, he, uh, he's like 10X me. Nice. So uh, we're big fans, so excited to watch. Definitely want to come to Vista opening, all the progression. I'm glad Savannah made it out for the episode too. And uh, yeah, man. Um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll do a follow-up for sure. We, we've wanted to start getting a follow-up with guests that come on, but go to their, one of their sites. Sure. So it's a new thing that we're going to start getting into. So I think there will be no twisting arms to come to one of your guys' <laughs> site and shoot a follow-up uh, podcast, but love it, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Appreciate it, Peter. Definitely.